gospel lesson this morning, which will also serve as the sermon text, comes from the Gospel of Luke, 24th chapter, beginning in the 44th verse. <coughs> Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, and so it must be. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I am sending you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He led them out as far as the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple courts, praising and blessing God. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Those are the familiar words of the ironic benediction. It's not ironic, but ironic. They're the benediction or blessing of Aaron. We can trace their use as a blessing over God's people all the way back to Moses' brother Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. In Numbers chapter 6, Moses tells us that God instructed Aaron and his sons to announce those words to the people and promised that when he did, God would bless them. Whenever Aaron blessed the people, he did it by lifting up his hands toward the people. But Aaron wasn't the only one to lift up his hands as he blessed God's people. The priests who followed him carried on the tradition, and still today, pastors around the world raise their hands in blessing at the end of worship and speak those very same words. But when you hear those words at the end of worship today, and then again in the weeks and years to come, don't think of my hands or Pastor Jenkins' hands, or Aaron the high priest's hands. Think about the Lord who told Aaron to raise his hands and speak those words. It was the Lord who said, so the priests will put my name on them, and I will bless them. But also think of the gospel lesson we heard this morning. Think about Jesus and his hands as he lifted them up and blessed his people. When you receive the Lord's blessing, think of Jesus' ascension. Today's gospel lesson actually covers a pretty long period of time. It opens midway through Jesus' Easter Sunday visit to his disciples. He came to them and said, Peace be with you showed them his hands and feet and ate food in front of them to assure them that it was really him, that he was really alive. Then he helped them understand what had happened. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written and so it must be. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I am sending you what my father promised. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then the next paragraph of the lesson takes us 40 days into the future. Jesus led them out as far as the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. 
continually in the temple courts, praising and blessing God. Were there any other times Jesus lifted up his hands over his disciples? It's possible, but this is the only occasion where the gospel writers tell us it happened. Why did Jesus do it? What does it mean? When we look closely at Jesus' Easter Sunday words, there are two main messages that his uplifted hands communicate. First, God had remained true to his promise of salvation, completing in Christ the necessary sacrifice for our sins. Second, God does not lie. He will give us the power we need to carry out the work he has given us. He's promised to do it, and he will. When Jesus lifted up his hands, imagine a powerful visual reminder of the sacrifice he had made. The hands he lifted up were marked, scarred where the nails had held him to the cross. Just as he proclaimed on that Easter evening, he really had fulfilled what was written about him in the books of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He had taken the sins of all on himself and given himself as the payment for those sins. Those nails were driven into his hands because of our sins. For he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet death was not the victim, because now blood was again coursing through those nail marks once dead hands. The grave could not hold him. Jesus was and still is the victor. He is triumphant and his salvation work has been accepted. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If our hope in Christ applies only to this life, we are the most pitiful people of all. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. When you receive the Lord's blessing, receive it knowing that you are God's own. You are his own because your Savior sacrificed himself for you. Now, as you daily confess your sins to God, be confident that the blood of Jesus has purified you. As surely as Jesus was standing in front of his disciples, he still stands in heaven with those living nail-pierced hands before the Father's throne. Through his sacrifice, you are now the Father's child. See it in Jesus' uplifted, scarred, but living hands. And just as surely as Jesus was standing there before him, just as surely as his disciples were to believe they were forgiven, they were also to believe that it was their work to preach that message of forgiveness to others. Calling sinful men and women to do that work is asking a lot. If you've ever felt less than qualified to do that work, you're not alone. But that's all right because there's also another way in which we're not alone. We go out with God's power. Jesus told his disciples on Easter Sunday that they were going to be his witnesses. Just as the Father had sent him to bring salvation to all people, he was now sending them to proclaim to all the message of salvation. But, he said, don't go just yet. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. As Jesus raises his hands in blessing, he reminds us that the power to accomplish all that he has given us to do is power that comes from above us. He lifts up his hands to the place he is about to ascend 
and where he is still seated at the Father's right hand, and from his Father's side, he sends to us the Holy Spirit, too. He sends us the Spirit through his word and sacraments, to empower us to use our mouths to witness all that he has done for us. On Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples to educate them and to give them the will to go out and do that work, and he is still sending his Spirit to us to educate us with word and strengthen our souls. He does this so that we will be his witness, not just in what we say, but also in what we do. As the disciples returned to Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension and filled their days with worship and praise, we will too. Each week you leave these doors and head out into a world that needs to hear about Jesus. You go out with a peace of forgiveness, as well as the invitation to share Jesus' peace with all people. You go with the blessing Jesus pours out on us through his word to live and act according to God's will. Yet, we are not perfect at this. We fail each day to make the best of our opportunities to speak and act as Jesus' witnesses. We fail to be, in everything that we say and do, faithful witnesses to Christ. And so we need each week the blessing and power that we find as we gather here to celebrate this great truth of Easter. God keeps his promises. He promised his grace for sinful people, and he kept that promise. Our worship, focused on God's word and his sacraments, places before our eyes the death and resurrection of our Lord, through which he redeemed and restored us. And each week, as our worship concludes with God's blessing, we are reminded he led them out as far as the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them, and while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. When you receive that blessing, look past the pastor's hands to the cross of Christ. Remember the hands of your Savior that were pierced for you there. And as you leave, remember three ascension promises. First, the one we heard this morning's verse of the day. Christ says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is what Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection means for you. No matter what you are going through, you are not alone. Jesus, your loving Savior, who died for you, lives again to be with you, always. The second promise is one we've already seen this morning. Jesus has promised to send his Holy Spirit to be with you, strengthening you for the work he has given you to do. He sends his Spirit through his word, which is your shield and weapon as you confront the evils of the as well as your strength to do the work of witnessing that your Savior has given you. Third, and finally, Jesus points us past today, and this week, and this life, lifetime. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would, not, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. Everything Jesus accomplished was for a single purpose so that you and I would dwell with him forever in our heavenly home. He promises that he is there right now, preparing a place for us. And he continues, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, so that you may also be where I am. He who is seated at the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Your Savior promises I have not left you, 
and I will return to gather you into my arms and take you to be with me always. God keeps his promises. Easter and Ascension are proof of so many promises already kept. As you receive the Lord's blessing at the end of this worship, remember his promises to you and the truth that his resurrection and ascension proclaim. God keeps his word, his promises are true. In Christ, he has kept his promise to save you and keeps his promise to empower you to witness to that truth. Amen. <laughs>